0: This is the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. Welcome to
1: the show. Welcome to the best Red Sign Podcast episode we've done yet. I'm Clay Winder here with a couple of amazing guests.
0: I'm Trevor Ludlow. And I'm Caitlin Oberg.
1: And I invited these guys onto the show to talk about investing at a young age. I get super excited when I talk to young people about investing in real estate because there's a lot of myths and and uh, uh, limiting beliefs, I would say, about about investing in real estate when you're super young. A lot of people just assume they can't do it, that they got to grow up first. Well, the answer is you can grow up real quick and jump into this at a young age, right, guys?
0: Yep. I guess. <laughs> yeah,
1: here we are. Uh, I brought these two guys on because these guys are living proof that you can get started at a pretty young age. And I wanted to go over a few pieces of advice that I would give younger potential future real estate investors. And I wanted these guys to give some of their advice and also maybe uh, identify a few roadblocks that we should be aware of as we start on this journey. So first thing I would talk about is, uh, well, I guess there's a couple of categories. Essentially, the 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 main categories that that younger investors always ask me about is number one, credit worthiness. Number two is they got they feel like they have to save up so much money. And number three is just overall, where do I begin and, and what do I do? And it's just it's very overwhelming, a little scary. So let's talk about credit worthiness first. How old do you have to be to get a credit score?
2: I honestly have no idea.
1: See, these guys don't 17. even know and they still own real estate. 17. 18 is usually the, the, the age. Now, you might be able to start a little earlier, but you can't get a credit card. You usually can't get a loan until your, your 18th birthday. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I got, and I always like to share, and I want the whole world to hear this because it's not talked about enough, is the concept of building credit as an 18-year-old does not mean go get a credit card. Credit cards are can build credit, but oftentimes 18-year-olds are idiots and they go and they spend, spend, spend money they don't have, right? Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of our parents have said avoid credit cards. There is a loan out there called a credit builder loan. That's the name I gave it. I'm sure banks have other names for it, but I'm pretty sure legit, they'll know what you're talking about. You say, I want a credit building loan. Most credit unions do it. Some banks might do it, but essentially as an 18 year old, you go going to say, Hey, I want to build my credit, but I don't want to go get a, buy a car. I don't want to go get a credit card. What's this thing that I heard on this random red sign podcast called a credit builder loan. Essentially, they will take $500 in your checking account, your savings account, and they'll freeze it. Then they'll give you a loan for $500 and they'll set up auto payments from the frozen money to the loan. They'll set it on either a six month, 12 month, or even a 24 month. And they will automatically make the payments for the 18 year old. So there's no risk of like late fees or anything. They do collect interest, but over 12 months, it's like 30 bucks in interest. So for $30, you get great credit, right? And so I like sharing this because it's a fixed credit and not revolving credit. Credit cards are revolving, and those get messy, and they also don't build the best credit score like fixed credit. The other option, which I'm sure you two did, is you went and bought a car. Yep. How would you guys first start your credit score?
2: I bought – well, I got a credit card when I was 18, I'm pretty sure. And then I bought a car when I was 17, and I had my parents co-signing with me.
1: Awesome. So you had the co-signer and got a little head start at 17. What about you, Caitlin?
0: My – First experience with credit was my grandma put me on two of her credit cards.
1: Oh, cool. So kind of a co-signer as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then a car after shortly after.
1: Awesome. And that's kind of most people's stories, but that is kind of the first step, right? We have a lot of young people that come in and they say, hey, I've got perfect credit because I've never had any credit. Well, there is such thing as no credit, not zero credit, but no credit. So that's why I like talking about it. Uh, Most 18-year-olds, when they do the credit builder, about that six or seven months, they have a credit score, they're they're rolling. Now, most mortgage lenders want you to have at least two sources of credit. So I do a credit builder and then go get a car or a credit or just co-sign on your parents as long as you can trust your parents not to mess up your credit mm-hmm. and then move forward with that way so once you've got credit let's talk about let's talk about your guys's journey you guys had credit you guys both got started at what age? Trevor when when did you write the first offer on your first house
2: I was 22 when I wrote my first offer
1: how old are you right now
2: 23
1: okay and how many rentals do you have
2: I've closed on one and I'm under contract on the second
1: nice Caitlin same thing how old were you
2: 22
1: and how many do you have now
0: three and a fourth but you sold December. the fourth right yeah
1: oh and you're so really you're buying your fifth but you sold the one yeah and
0: sold one how old are you 25
1: so you are on property number five and you're 25 years old yep Yes. you've got big shoes to fill I know. <laughs> Trevor you got to catch up to her
2: she's the reason she honestly Caitlin's the reason that I like get stressed out because I see her buying all of these properties and I'm like oh my gosh I have to catch up like, I have to <laughs> do what she's doing because I see like the success that she's finding and so it just makes me kind of be more motivated to do the same
1: thing for sure and hopefully the listeners on this hear a 25 year old with property number five and say holy smokes i can become a real estate mogul as well right <laughs> you know it's awesome so when you buy your first one uh both of you as you guys were approaching your first one uh how did you how much money did you put down what did you buy and how was it structured let's start with you trevor talk, talk walk us through your first one
2: yeah so my first one was a condo in vineyard and i just did 3% down um i i started in real estate in january of 2020 wrote my first offer in september of 2021 the contract closed on that condo in May of 2021, and I just did three percent. And the only way that I could
1: qualify was to do a co-signer And who so who you get to cosign with? I got them? my parents to cosign with. How you? did that conversation go?
2: And it was pretty easy. My parents are
1: pretty supportive of me building my
2: future, and so I just I asked them. I said, "Hey, I can't qualify on my own because with real estate, I'm commission based, right? So I have to have two years of tax returns before they can count that income. And so basically, they just went off of my parents' income and the little, um, hourly job that I had at the time, they took that and I was able to qualify And that's how I went into contract on the first house.
1: Awesome. And they're still co on that loan with you. Correct, right
2: okay. now. And then when, once I can qualify, um, you know, get my two years of tax returns and qualify,
1: I can just do like a refi, I believe, mm-hmm. and just take them off and it will just be mine. And yep. You can do a streamlined refi, yep. which is a little cheaper that just drops, you know, you're not putting cash in or taking cash out so it just drops them or you can do a full refinance which drops them and then you can choose if you want to add more cash in or what so many people are doing right now that we've talked about on the last couple episodes is getting some cash out since we've had so much appreciation and that might be your funding for number three or even this number two that
2: you're doing which is kind of cool because i did go under contract in september and here we are i mean almost a year later i mean just shy of and I have a hundred thousand dollars in equity. I mean, that same condo is selling for three sixty five, and I bought it for two sixty one.
1: Holy smoke! So a twenty three year old that has a hundred grand equity already. Nice, Caitlin. Tell us about your first buy. How was it structured?
0: It was conventional. Um, I what did does it that mean? It was a conventional loan. And I had to get a cosigner as well because I had just gotten to real estate the month before. So how much
1: down payment did you put down for that conventional loan?
0: I actually ended up doing 20%, but I, it was a loan from my co-signer that I'm paying on
2: now still.
1: Which you told the lender it was a gift, right? Yes. It was a gift. <laughs> but you paid your grandma back. Just so all of our listeners know, this is this is... I don't want to call it taboo, but it it is it is something that happens a lot where parents will quote unquote gift their kids their down payment and uh, even sign a letter that says this is a gift. It doesn't have to be repaid when in all actuality, the kids will pay mom and dad back. Pretty common. Um, hopefully, I don't go to jail for for condoning loan fraud. It's not loan fraud. It's down payment <laughs> mischief. Yeah, <right? laughs> no, but keep going. So you had 20% down. That was a fixer upper, Right.
0: Oh, yes. It was a fixer-over.
1: I remember when I was with you and we found it.
0: Yep. You found that deal and went with me and kind of held my hand through it. And then we got into it and it was a treat.
1: (laughs) So how did, talk to us about the fix-up. So this was a, this was a duplex uh, that was super rough around the edges. Your grandma said, Hey, I'll co-sign with you and I'll help with the down payment. And uh, then uh, talk to us about once you closed on it, how was that fix-up process? How did you structure that? Did you put tenants in one of the units while you fixed up the other unit? I can't, I can't remember.
0: No, so or we just started. Yeah, we started from top to bottom, and it took quite a long time. Um, we just—I didn't realize how much was going to go into it, and I learned so much. There were cockroaches. There were everything had to be redone. We redid the whole kitchen. We did the floors, painted the whole thing, and then once we were done with the top moved to the bottom, put tenants in the top, and did the same thing, and then rented both.
1: Awesome. So you did a little bit more of a, of a you know, you did the fixer-upper route or the burr route that we've talked about. Trevor took the easy path, bought a brand new condo, no repairs, no nothing, moved into it, and just relied 100% on the market to make yeah. him rich, right? Yeah. The market <laughs> went up. He's like, whoa, I made 100 grand. The market is awesome. Look how smart I am when <laughs> you just took a risk, and it all paid off. Yeah. You got your hands dirty, Caitlin. Talk to us about um, how much did you pay for the house? You remember roughly?
0: You think it was like 320. I was going
1: to say, if I remember right, it was like 320 or 325. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, how much money did you put into the house? Like hard costs? What, what were like roughly hard cash you that you put it? in?
0: Thirty-five, forty 40 grand probably.
1: Okay, and how much labor do you think you put in? Like you and your friends, you and whoever put in time.
0: Yeah, I don't know, hours.
1: Hours and hours and hours. Okay, so 325 plus another potentially 40 grand. What is it worth today?
0: Uh I need to do a more updated CMA on it, but I'm thinking just shy of 500 grand if not more.
1: Awesome. So you potentially have 150 grand in that one. I mean if you count the forty, this and that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Nice. And you're cash flowing, right? Yeah. Because you don't you don't live there anymore, you've moved on to more properties.
0: Yeah. So I've tenants in the up and down and it's about three grand a
2: month.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Talk to us about the two that you guys have under contract. What do you have under contract, Trevor? Uh
2: it's another new construction, but it's a townhome this time.
1: Um so easy breezy. He's taking easy. the easy road. What about you? What's your latest one?
2: uh same, same thing home. easy road
1: no, 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 and guess what easy. everybody i have one under contract too we're all taking the easy road <laughs> we're, all gonna be
2: we're,
1: all gonna, we're all gonna have property right by each other um well and here's the truth there might be listeners that say hey i want to get my hands dirty so let's go find a let's go find that fixer-upper and build some sweat equity and not just rely on the market but there's others especially like the three of us who get busy and we think boy well, we just don't have weekends now to sacrifice to home Depot run after home Depot run you know and uh and so we, we want the easy, you know, set it and forget it. You buy something newer, nicer, you get your tenants in there, you get them all set up comfy, and then you forget about it. You move on to, to saving up money for the next one. Um, what tips and tricks, what suggestions would you give to our listeners? Just overall, let's go back to your younger self. You're, you're 20, you both bought at 22 years old. So go back to your, your 18, 19, 21-year-old self. What tips and tricks would you have wish you would have had that may have made this process a little easier as you started building your real estate portfolio?
2: I mean, for me, so even when I started in real estate, I knew my goal was to buy a house, but I had this limiting belief that I needed to wait two years before I could do that because I thought I needed to qualify a loan. So I wish... I mean i still went under contract and bought that first house within my first year but i wish i would have done it earlier and cashed in even more
1: on that equity um before the price of my right, time right time value down. of money right like when people ask when's the right time to buy real estate it's yesterday right, right. it's time I mean, value Cameron, of money.
2: You, you were saying that you bought your first property like two months after you got your license right
0: it was the first deal i did okay it was yes. Mine. <laughs> so (laughs) something like
2: that though there's ways around if i would have just like known that i could just get my parents to co-sign way before i mean september i would have had that much more in equity already so i just wish that i would have bought sooner
1: awesome so credit was taken care of and you had the three percent saved up
2: yeah i i've always been pretty good at saving my money um i'm pretty tight tight keep things low and so um and i've had the good credit i've had my auto loan for a long time and I've had a credit card and I didn't know about the credit loan that you could do as a
1: credit builder loan
2: a credit builder loan that's why I want to
1: talk about it people need to know about it it's a safer way than a credit card
2: right everything was lined up except I couldn't qualify with my monthly income so I needed somebody else's income to help me carry me the rest of the way and that was
1: that right. And every, and listeners, that's the debt to income ratio. Your mortgage payment can't be much more than about 40. Maybe they'll stretch you to 45% of your income. So if your monthly payment, you know, exceeds 40% of your monthly income, you might be in trouble. And that's where you need a co-signer.
2: Right. And it was an easy process. I mean, so basically my parents are just on the loan with me and we'll just
1: go from there. Cool. Caitlin, what would you tell your, your younger self? What would have made it a little easier?
0: I think that's a really good one that Trevor's mentioning is just letting go of pride so that you can capitalize on some of those things and going out of your way to find savvy ways to do stuff. I listened to a podcast super early on when I wanted to invest and it just said not to take no for an answer and that was the mindset that I carried throughout the last three years and that was super helpful. Um,
1: how, have you managed, yeah. how have you managed the fear over what if I get stuck with a huge monthly payment? Because I could see that it, when I think of like my young self, when I bought my first property, that was probably my biggest fear is, oh, you know, oh crap, I've got a big monthly payment that, that I cannot miss. Because if I mess up my credit, even one missed payment, it ruins my whole big grand plan to build a real estate empire. And so I was very like worried about that. How did you manage that fear of I've got a big monthly payment now that I'm committed to?
0: I feel like there are a couple of things. One was I don't rent anything that I wouldn't live in. And I think that that keeps peace of mind that I can keep them occupied. Everybody has to have somewhere to live. And then two is if all else fails, I'll get two or three jobs. Like I'm young and I have the time, like I'll work harder. I don't know if I had to make it work, I would find a way to make it work. And I think another thing people worry about is the market dropping. And that's just being smart about it. So you can capitalize when that does happen rather than selling out of fear when that happens and writing it back up
1: right or just have the attitude of i will never sell and who cares what the market's doing as long as there are renters right
2: if it goes down just keep renting it stay until it goes back up but i've never
0: had a vacancy issue in the last three years not to say that that will never happen but i feel pretty confident in our market and in the properties and in well and you guys
1: are both you know you've mentioned it. you've bought condos and townhomes things that are smaller and purchase price smaller and rent value the lower your rent the bigger your pool of renters are right so if you're if you're 1500 bucks in a monthly rent pretty easy to find renters for 1500 dollars anywhere. like that's yeah. pretty most people can afford that the pool of tenants is is larger when you've got the big mansion on the hill and you're trying to rent it for eight grand yeah. a month your pool of renters is very small right right mm-hmm. yeah what about you, Trevor? Do you have fear around that same idea of taking on a, the burden of a payment?
2: I do, but also I. So with my condo, I've moved in, but I'm also going to sublease the bedrooms out and have renters live with me while I'm there. And so really, my mortgage payment is going to be probably less than half of what it actually is because I'll. You'll subsidize rent, it. Yeah, I'll have the renters paying probably more than half of my mortgage, and so I'm just saving money, putting it into an account that if whatever happens and they move out and i have to pull out of that account to pay the mortgage or pay a bill or something you have a cushion i have a cushion that i don't have
1: to be too worried about awesome well and i've had people ask me about the same topic on what happens if the vacancy is several months and you run out of savings and i always have to remind people if you were sign, a, sign a, a rental contract and you're the tenant and you can't pay rent you, you're in trouble right You you have no options when you own a property and you're getting tight on cash, you can always sell your property. You can rent your property. You do whatever you want, you own the dang thing. Right. And so there is some peace of mind that I've always had that, that if truly things go really sideways on me financially, I just got to sell it. Right. And luckily, the market has supported that for for the last decade. And could things shift? Maybe down the road. But that's why you do the best you can and and keep cash in the deal and don't refinance and pull your cash out too often. You know, always have that nest egg. Um, I want to end with this. I want to know your guys' goals. Trevor, how old are you? I'm 23. You're 23. Caitlin, you're 25. What's next? You both have an under contract. What are your guys' goals around real estate investing?
2: My goal is I want to buy a house or a property every single year. So, I mean, hopefully, Right now we'll just do it as owner-occupied loans where i'll just move everywhere. right and we've
1: talked about that on other other episodes the, the common term for that is house hacking right. where it's you think like an investor but you occupy it as long as you're occupying for the first year you can get away with five percent down so it's a lot easier right. especially when you're young to save up five percent opposed to twenty percent right, right. not all of us have a grandma like caitlin does right <laughs> we love your grandma by the way because she has She has helped you, and you've always you've always treated her right and paid her back, and and put those deals in writing. Uh, Same thing, and I and I'm blessed to have my dad help me when I was doing a few of my burr properties when I was young, and I always had a contract and I always paid him back. And you don't mess with those relationships and money,
2: right? So yeah, just buying a property every single year, and then getting to the point where I can start buying them as an investor if I need to, and do the twenty percent down or you know just the investor loans that cost a little bit more, but
1: That way, I don't have to keep moving. Awesome. Okay, so you're 23, one more. So you'll have, you'll at least have eight properties by your 30th birthday. What about you, Caitlin?
0: Oh, I definitely want to buy one property every year. Um, And I want to branch out a little bit as well and do some other things, hopefully get into commercial and um, some storage units, industrial and stuff. But I want to get to where my net worth is a million by 27, latest 28. And then long term i want i have a pretty hefty passive income goal
1: awesome what is it declare it to the world
0: (laughs) 40 grand a month
1: 40 grand a month is a win for you that's how you win the game of monopoly Mm
2: -hmm.
1: awesome well thank you guys this is good are there any last parting thoughts you want to share with the world
0: Nope. don't take (laughs) no for an answer don't
1: i was just gonna say if anything it's Have the courage to jump in. Yeah. There's a little science, a little math, but it's not rocket science and it's not algebra. It's pretty easy to do. You don't need to go sign up for some late night infomercial ad or call one of those stupid signs on the side of the freeway that says real estate investor seeking apprentice Mm -hmm. and go pay all this money for education. Just come have good conversations with people like you guys, read some books, jump on some podcasts and take that leap of faith. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys. You're awesome. Thanks for joining us on this episode. And we've got lots more to come. Sweet.
0: You've been listening to the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. See you next time.